Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Their their deal is that they strike out even more than the Brewers do. Mm. I know the Royals just plain suck. Right. So, so, I mean, that's understandable. Yeah. So, we're starting off the show today um, discussing um, basically where the Brewers are at. Now, we're going to talk about all the games, um, but we're going to do them probably a little quicker than we normally do. Yeah. Um, not just because we're trying to get through them and, you know, get it off, you know, get it off our minds. But we also have, we want to discuss where the Brewers can go from where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not just, you know, ignoring it, but we're going to, we're going to focus less on the outcomes of the games and more on, you know, what's, what to do going forward. And one of the things that we like to advocate for super strongly is instead of just blindly complaining, you know, this team sucks or the, uh, the super generic one that I keep seeing that makes me laugh is, uh, this team has no competitive drive. Right, I see. Like that that's such a generic, stupid comment that there's like there's really no way of quantifying that to make it make sense. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it doesn't make sense. So I have actual quantifiable numbers on what the Brewers are doing well, what they can improve on, and and what they just really need to do to get it done. So. We're going to start with our power pair and underrated performer, like we always do. Yep. So, Jake, I'll let you I'll let you go first, and then I will give mine. Okay. So, for my power hitter, um, my power pair hitter, I went with uh, Kristen Yelich. Uh, he was 8 for 25 in the last seven days. That doesn't include today. Um, five runs, two doubles, two home runs, five RBIs, three walks. Um, these are his slashes. Average 320, um, base percentage 393, slugging percentage 640, and an OPS of 1033. So I mean, he was doing his job. Yeah, wow. doing great. E- even when the team wasn't wasn't losing, people weren't allowed to to bitch about him like they normally do. So that didn't stop anybody. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe they should check the tape. Um, yeah. My power pair pitcher, I picked Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns was very good in two starts. Uh, two games, 14 innings pitched, nine hits, three earned runs, one walk, 17 strikeouts. That's a 193 ERA for his last two starts. So he was doing some sideburn stuff, definitely in that Baltimore game. He was still very good last night, I thought, against Minnesota. Um, and then my underrated performer, I went with Victor Carantini. He appeared in four games, six for 10. That's a 600 average for people at home. Um, three runs. Only one strikeout this week in 10 at-bats, one walk, and two RBIs. He also had a 615 on-base percentage, 600 slugging percentage, and a 1,215 OPS. So he was also very good this week, and you might not have noticed that because you were too busy crying. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get to the crying. We'll get to Uh, the crying. So for me, Yelich was the logical choice for power position players. There were a couple Mm -hmm. guys that played some good defense, but – 
just mm-hmm. like the hitting didn't quite balance out. So I decided to go with Yelich. Um, mm-hmm. What I wanted to add into what you already said was that over the last nine days, Christian Yelich has raised his batting average by 20 points. Oh, he's gone from 249 to 269. <laughs> nice. Ah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that in addition, he's got four extra base hits in the last three games, two doubles, two homers. Um, and you, you brought up Caratini only having one strikeout. Christian Yelich only has one, or sorry, not one, six strikeouts in his last 27 plate appearances. That's pretty good. That's 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 much better than where he's been at. Yeah. Um, that's something like that's a little bit less than so it's about 22 and a half percent, I want to say, right around there. That's not bad. I mean, if you're under 25 no. percent, I think that's a good place to be at. Yeah. Uh, once you get over 30 is where it gets a little concerning. So for him to be under 25, I will take that. Uh, for my power pitcher, I actually went with Julio Tehran. Um, I think he could have been an underrated performer, but I think his his performance coming at a time where the Brewers' depth is just so tested, and for the Brewers to grab a guy, like you said last week, who had a 562 ERA in San Diego's AAA system to mm-hmm. come here and I get that this is against a bad team, but to pitch seven innings, give up six hits and a walk, but to throw six strikeouts and only give up one earned run, uh, that to me was a great outing by Julio Tehran and just a little bit of uh, baseball injustice that he wasn't able to get a win that day. Yeah, I actually have a stat for Tehran. Do you want me to give it right now? I got a, I got a couple when we get to the games. I got some okay. for him too. Okay, I'll, I'll hold on to it. Yeah. Um, okay. With... Um. Oh my! Underrated performer. Underrated performer is Mister Underrated himself. Uh, the guy that really made us start doing underrated performers for all of our segments and all of our teams. Uh, it's Hobie Milner. Hmm. He's uh he's the guy that started the underrated performer. Like we said before the season when we did our Brewers primer, if uh, if we did an underrated performer award preseason, it would be the Hobie Milner award. And um, Hobie Milner in the last week made four appearances. Four and a third innings, only give up one hit, three walks, five strikeouts, no runs. That a boy. So great work by Hobie Milner over the last week. Um, and because the Brewers have been losing games, he doesn't get a lot of credit for pitching well. Yeah. And I'm going to give him that credit by making him my underrated performer. So um, look at that. We got a level-headed fan. I, oh, I got to say, dude, as, as much negativity is, as there is on social media, I fucking love that the the people that follow us have level-headed thoughts like this. So thank you, Brett, for this comment. Brett said this happens to all teams every year. Ride it out. And I have something I want to throw out when we get to the uh, a special segment that Jake and I have put in for today's show. That yeah. uh, that'll be a little bit of a little bit of a palate cleanser, a little bit of catharsis to to make Jake and I feel better about some stuff. But yeah. Um, all right, let's jump into these. Let's jump into these games. Um, let's talk Brewers Orioles and wrap that series up. <coughs> Excuse me. So we start with a great game, right? We start with a 10-2 mm-hmm. game. Um, Corbin Burns looks like Cyburns, eight innings pitched, only two hits, no walks, no earned runs, and nine strikeouts. He was absolutely going nuts. I'm gonna Damn. pat myself on the back because I called that. Um uh, 
RBIs. Singleton got his first RBI as a Brewer, a two-out RBI at that. Carantini got an RBI, Adamas, Anderson, Monasterio, and Weimer with five RBIs, three of those coming with two outs. Um, he also had the two homers, so that was the Joey Weimer game, Adamas with a home run. So the offense was cooking. Corbin Burns was cooking. It felt like things were trending in the right direction after mm-hmm. we just had a five-and-two week. And obviously with, with hindsight, that's not what happened. But uh, this was just a fun game to watch. I'll say that I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Yeah. Um, I want to give Victor Caratini. I just, I kind of wanted to just give him a hug because he was getting hit by everything. <laughs> he, yeah. He got hit by a foul ball, bounced up and hit him in the leg. He got hit by a pitch. I mean, um, just kind of a rough go for Victor Caratini. Um, <laughs> Joey Weimer, bottom of the third inning, first pitch, he had a home run. Uh, it was 101 miles an hour off the bat. So, it feels like every time he hits the ball, it's just a rocket. Because he had a double later on. It was in the bottom of the sixth inning. That was 100 miles an hour off the bat. He's big and strong. And, yeah, he hits the ball hard. Um, so, Joey Weimer then hit another home run in the – that was the seventh inning. Um, so, I mentioned his exit velocities. Going into this game, um, I should say, including this game, 11 – batted balls in the last eight games over a hundred miles an hour exit velocity for Joey That's Weimer. Pretty good. So Joey Weimer is just scorching the ball and he was rewarded in the in the uh A's series, which we'll get to that. But uh top of the ninth inning got a little got a little stress. Um Souza no outs four base runners um shutout was off but double play after that, um, and then got a grounder to end it. So the Brewers, you know, still came out with the win. Uh, Joey Weimer this game, four for four, two home runs, a double and a single. That was 11 bases. That was a rookie franchise record by Joey Weimer. Yep. Um, nine of the 10 batters that came up to the plate in this game had a hit and just really good all around game. Um, like Jake said, for, um, for a game to watch. It was just a really good all-around game. Now, the only thing, the only complaint I saw about this one was people saying that they should have let, go, let Burns go out for the ninth. Um, the Brewers' half of the eighth inning uh, was a little bit longer. So, like, I understand that. Burns was at 96 pitches. That's that's pushing it a little bit, especially since his last start, I think, was when he threw 115, I want to say. Yeah. It was somewhere around there. So you don't want to you don't want to burn burns out right in the middle of June. Like it's not right. not the time. Right. Uh middle of September, totally different story. Even middle of August if you're pushing. Sure, the sure, sure. Which uh, I'm gonna save. I'm gonna save that thought for later. Okay. Um, yeah. So third game of the Orioles series, Colin Ray off to a pretty decent start. Christian Yelich in the bottom of the first inning was down 0-2, worked his way all the way back to a walk. So good job by him. Um, William Adamas had a single. Rowdy Telez followed with an RBI ground out. Then William Contreras got down 0-2. He worked back to 3-2, hit an opposite field single. Owen Miller hit an opposite field single. John Singleton hit an opposite field single. And the Brewers are up 3-0 in the bottom of the first inning. Feeling good. Like Jake said, it feels like we're about to get momentum going. Um, and it just, I don't know, it's, it's not really anybody's, I don't know. I didn't want to like throw blame just at, you know, just blindly. 
Uh, and I don't want to also like single guys out because I don't feel like it's any single person that, you know, doomed the Brewers or anything like that. Um, we'll get to some of these other games where people are saying things and it's like, people just gotta relax. Yeah. Uh, this game, it was Piamps. He got two quick outs, gave up a solo home run and then came back and got a strikeout. Um, Joey Weimer extended his hitting streak to nine in this game. Peters was lucky was doing a good job in this game. I think he was doing well, changing levels and speeds and then gave up an infield single um, that got hurt by the throwing error by Luis Urias, and then a double followed up that made it 3-2. He got another strikeout, and then he gave up the home run. That's the second yeah. home run he's given up this entire season. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, whatever. It is what it is. Top of the ninth inning, Baltimore got two more. Final ended up being 6-3. to three. I don't know. what's What stood out to you from, from this finale? So you brought up the error, and I understand, and I'm not going to get on Luis Arias because I just told you yesterday that even though his bat hasn't been as good as people expected right away, but you can't expect him to just come out and hit 600 or whatever, you know, right, coming mm-hmm. off the 60-day DL. Right. But his defense has been pretty good. But that one, man, mm-hmm. he made a bad decision. He's got to eat that. He's got to understand that. Yeah. Um, that may just be a factor of rust, but – I feel like that single play, and I'm not putting all the blame on Urias because pitches could have been made. Right. Um, like he on the homer, he he left a hanger up there. Not going to lie to you. It, it was hanging. And a good MLB hitter, they're going to crush that. That's right. just plain and simple. Especially being on um, a good team, too. Plus, this is a good Orioles team that we took two out of three from. So They haven't you know, lost since they beat us in game three. Yeah, so there's that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, other than that error and, you know, one hanging pitch, it just it is what it is, man. That's that's all I got from that. I mean, Yelly and Contreras both got doubles in this game. That kind of stood out to me. Yelly's been getting a lot of extra base hits. He's kind of raking a little bit right now. Yeah, like I brought up the the batting average being up twenty points in the last yeah. nine days. So about twenty points in nine days is impressive. Yeah, I agree. And considering it's not April, <laughs> all right? Uh, I do appreciate you bringing up the the context of what having you know, potentially a runner on first or a runner on second with one out and having seen the error committed, what that does to, you know, how you pitch to a guy. Mm-hmm. When you're pitching with a guy on first base and one out, you know, one pitch could end your inning. Yeah. Where you're pitching with a guy on second and you're you're just thinking, like, don't give up anything to the outfield. Don't give anything to the outfield. Nothing to the outfield. Yeah. A bloop could score a run. Exactly. So. Um. So – it, you know, and taking two of three from the Orioles, that's a that's a great place to be. And the Orioles are a good baseball team now. Yeah, they are. They're not the um, Orioles of old. Yeah. So, and good for them. You know, it's as long as it doesn't come at the expense of the Brewers, I have no problem with the Orioles having a good season and um, leaving the, the Yankees and the Red Sox in shambles. I have no problem with that at all. Agreed. <laughs> um, I don't mind the Blue Jays either, but yeah. um, especially if they keep trading us uh, players that help us. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Let's go to this A's series. I have a feeling just – I don't think that this – like, and I get that there's like, – I don't want to say it wasn't bad, but I don't think it's as bad as people are acting like it is. Right. Um, I don't think that this Oakland A's team is the worst team in baseball history. 
I don't think that either. Um, they might not even be the worst team in baseball this year, the way that they're playing now. Yeah. Um, they're going to pass up Kansas City pretty quickly, and they're dangerously close to passing the St. Louis Cardinals. That's true. The Oakland A's are almost better than the Cardinals right now. They are dangerously close to having a better record than the St. Louis Cardinals. That is true. If I had a dollar for every, this couldn't be worse. This team is pathetic. We lost to the worst team in baseball and by the transient property, we are the worst team in baseball. Look at the Cardinals. They were expected to run away with the week NL Central. They're in fifth place and looking up with no ladder to climb out of the hole they are in. Yeah, they are the worst team in the National League by a large margin. Well, by a game, I guess. But yeah, yikes. So we'll get to we'll get to a little bit more of that context, but I don't think that this series was as bad as people made it out to be, especially when you consider the fact that the uh the A's before coming to Milwaukee had taken two out of three from the Braves and two out of the last three from the Pirates. And now that they took the two or three from the Brewers or the Pirates, swept the Brewers, and now are now on to the Rays, the best team in baseball. They play the Rays today with a chance to sweep them. That's nuts. They are on a seven-game winning streak. <laughs> to sweep the best team in baseball. <coughs> that After is wild. The NL Central leading Pirates. <coughs> And the AL or the NL East leading Atlanta Braves. The NL leading Braves. NL leading Braves, exactly. And a team that won a ring recently. I didn't even have to specify their division. Yeah. The league. (laughs) Yeah. So A's game one, Joey Weimer moved up to fifth in the batting order. So good for him. Um, Adrian Hauser kind of just got hurt by traffic. Uh, You you play in traffic, you're going to get hit. Yeah. Um, so spotted the A's a three nothing lead. Um, the A's grabbed another run in the second. Bottom of the second, Joey Weimer drew a walk. Um, and then you know the Brewers got a double, and they were down four to one still. Um, Andrew Monasterio grounded out. Luis Urias hit a double, made the game four to two. That was his first hit since getting back. Um, he got held at third on Owen Miller's single. Now, I want to bring this up because the Brewers then had runners at the corners in this situation. This is why I wanted to bring it up at this point. When we're talking later about how the Brewers can improve, I think being a little more aggressive on the bases is something they can do. Uh, I think it was something they did a lot early in the season, and I do. I really think the Garrett Mitchell injury impacts this a lot, um, is the aggressiveness on the base paths and also Bryce Terang, who – probably going to end up being back sooner than later yeah. if uh, if Andrew Monasterio doesn't keep his his bat going because I think that was the reason uh, Terang got sent down in the first place is just because Toro and, and Monasterio were in good places. But I think Terang will be back sooner than later either way. But, you know, that that aggressiveness on the base paths and when we get to today's game, I saw a little bit of that today from Christian Yelich. I think aggressiveness on the base paths is an, is an opportunity for the Brewers to potentially – try to jumpstart their offense a little bit. So I wanted to bring that up. Um, yeah, Hauser taking two batters out, or taken out after two batters in the fifth inning. 
Um, he was getting contact. It was just in the air and not on the ground like he's accustomed to. Mm-hmm. So it's just an off night for Adrian Hauser. I'm not worried about him going forward. Um, yeah, it's yeah, just one off night. And if you want to say, oh, he had an off day against Toronto too, I still think he did his job in that game. He was just hurt by basically lucky contact, I would say. Yeah. Um, A's got another run in the fifth. Um, I will say um, Tyler McGill, sorry, Trevor McGill, Tyler is his brother, who is also in professional baseball. Yep. He dealt with tons of traffic. Only one inherited runner scored. Um, did good work considering the alternative. Um, Holby Milner, scoreless sixth. Holby Milner, scoreless seventh. Bryce Wilson, one, two, three, eighth. Tyson Miller, one, two, three, ninth. The only thing with the bottom of the ninth inning is Joey Weimer, the pitch that he struck out on. It's too close to take. Yeah. And, and I'll come back to that a little bit later, but um, that ended his hitting streak at nine. That's just one of those things where when you got two strikes on you, you got to defend a little bit, even if it means just, just hitting a pitch foul yeah. and just waiting for that mistake. Um, what stood out to you from the opening game against the A's? I guess the one thing that really stood out to me was the amount of walks. Cause I think the Brewers have been really like the pitching staff, the bullpen, the starters have been really good about it for a long while here, but uh, six hits from Hauser. Nobody else allowed a hit, so that's fantastic work by the bullpen. Um, but then the seven walks, so you're you're getting you're getting 13 base runners at that yeah, point. That's a lot. That's a lot, um, especially in a game where you only score two runs. Um, Urias and Perkins uh, both had doubles. They both had RBIs. Uh, the first for both for Urias, like you said, um, Perkins his first double of the year and his sixth RBI of the year. So um, yeah, that's really all that stood out to me was just the amount of walks because it was like. They hurt themselves. You know what I mean? I feel like they beat themselves in this game. Yeah. All right. What about this? What about the second game? I feel like there's a lot of good things with this one, just except for the outcome. Yeah, man. This was uh this one felt like a tilter. Like I, I said the the first game, right? The first the the second game of the series against the Orioles, it felt like we were we were about to go on a run, right? And this one felt like, you know, after the home run from Contreras, which came out in the with Two outs in the eighth inning, mm-hmm. um, not to get too far ahead of myself here, um, but Julio Tehran was terrific again. Uh, seven innings pitch, six hits, one walk, one earned run, six Ks. I mean, what more can we ask from this guy, right? Dude, um, wait till I give you all of his stats as a brewer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop one before you go, but oh uh, man, Paguero was good. Only one walk. Everybody had a walk. Um, Williams had a walk. Piams had a walk. No earned runs for the other guys. So we really only. One earned run for the entire pitching staff. Obviously, mm-hmm. we lost this one. And, um, <clears throat> but um, the thing, the thing about the Contreras home run is uh, that was a sick highlight. I'm not gonna lie to you. He comes mm-hmm. in the game, first ever career pinch hit home run with two outs in the eighth inning. Like, and it's the longest homer of the year for the Brewers. Come on, man, that was lit. 440 feet. Are you shitting me? <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely smashed that. Um, I had a cool co-worker that gave me the flag because he was at the game. It was my girlfriend's birthday. So I was not going anywhere without her, and she was at work that day. So uh-huh. um, so that's just what I think about that. Uh, Tehran, here's my here's my little quick stat. I'm sure you have them. Since May 25th, day of his signing, no pitcher in MLB has tossed more innings with a better ERA than Julio Tehran. 24 and a third innings pitched, a 148 ERA. The Brewers are yep. one and three in his starts. 
I have a little bit more to add to that. So, um, <sighs> so I'm gonna add this out. Um, no, nah, no, nah, we don't. We oh, don't yes, dude. What did I say when Brett made his comment? I'm like, I love the people that follow us. We, we don't count anybody they're out. level-headed. I'm, I'm super proud of creating a fan base that says stuff like this. Yeah, man. We, we don't, we don't count anybody out. It's the, it's, it's June. It's June. It's literally June. So Blake said, "Don't count the Brewers out yet. They can still get hot." The, the Oakland A's are on a seven-game winning streak. If they can do it, the Brewers can do it. Listen, man. How many times do I talk about the dog days of summer? The yep. finals just ended, right? Yep. I just saw a post about so many days for this, this, this. Like yeah, NFL, the all this just stuff, ended. Right? We literally are just entering the dog days of summer. Yep. So they're on a little losing streak. So what? There's three and, we, and a half months of the season left. There's almost 100 games so, to play yet. I am so ready for this rant. Dude, but let's get through this. Let's get through this. But I, <laughs> yeah, so I know. We got ready. a couple more games to get through. I'm so okay. ready. So you mentioned Tehran's stats as a brewer. Uh, yep, you mentioned yep. his ERA. Yep. Uh, he has a .95 whip as a brewer. Ooh. That's walks and hits per inning pitch. .95, less than one. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. That's disgusting. Yeah. Um, he's only he's only pitched three walks as a brewer. Oh my god. He has sixteen strikeouts and only three walks. He has given up three walks in 24 and a third innings. Jesus. That is insane. Jesus. I sincerely hope when everybody's healthy, which Wade Miley is doing rehab and Eric Lower was assigned to Nashville, which he might stay there for a little bit until he gets going a little bit. But I sincerely hope they keep Julio Tehran until he stops pitching like an absolute stud. I don't think there's any way they can not keep him unless right? somebody blows you away with a trade offer for him i guess i mean lance yeah. mccullers just got hurt for the astros he's done for the year but um so last thing you mentioned that they're one in three in julio tehran starts this is the run support for julio tehran four games zero four zero zero Mm, that's some baseball injustice right there. Oh, no. Oh, that's... yeah, I know. Baseball is a numbers game, but sometimes the numbers hurt. Pain. That's <laughs> <laughs> so gutty. But Julio Tehran is doing a fantastic job. He really, oh, really is. Man, him and Corbin Burns are just getting disrespected. I know. And it's 2021 Brandon Woodruff season out here. Just can't get any <laughs> run support. <laughs> Man, and he's going to be coming back at some point too. So for uh, everybody to count the break. they're they're planning on bringing yep. him back after the All Star break. It was going to yeah, be the end yeah. of June, so they're like, "Well, why don't we just wait one more week and just hold yeah. him for the All Star break?" Yeah. So we 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 essentially get to acquire an All Star after the All Star break. Shit, we might we might get two if we we keep our head above water, man. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, one, two, three, first inning by Tehran. The Brewers str- uh, stranded a pair of two-out singles. Um, okay. Bottom of this was, or sorry, the top of the second inning. This is this is the Joey Weimer inning. Uh, he had two outfield assists. The first one was a one-hopper, like right to the bag at second base to get a runner trying to take an extra base. That's a great job by Joey Weimer making that throw. Second one was a throw from the wall to Willie Adamas on a fly, on the fly. Did not touch the ground. 
from the warning track to basically two steps outside the infield. Followed by an absolute rope by Willie Adonis. Yeah. The throw from Willie to home to me was more impressive than the throw from Weimer to Willie. I agree. That was a freaking laser. Oh my God. It was just dead accurate, too. Mm-hmm. But Joey Weimer, two outfield assists in the same inning. He's the first Brewer in franchise history to have two outfield assists in the same inning. Wow. What a pull. What a pull. <laughs> As a rookie. As what a, a rookie. Wow. Awesome. Um, so top of the fifth yeah. inning, the A's got a run on two walks and a fielder's choice. That was the only thing they could get on Julio Tehran. Um, bottom of the seventh, Weimer got a walk. Victor Caratini had a single. Uh, both of them stranded on by a strikeout by Andrew Monasterio. It was a well outside pitch. I'll say that. Probably solid three, four inches outside. That's kind of where it felt like this game was like, oh, fucking kidding me? Like, that's that's what it felt like. And then get the big hit by William Contreras. The 440-foot home run, longest by a brewer this year, 109 miles an hour off the bat. Oh. Yeah, that was a no-doubter for sure, dude. <laughs> Devin Williams pitched a scoreless ninth. The top of the 10th might be the most frustrating part of this whole game because the dude was just like, he like just put the bat yeah. Just he just put the bat out there. Yep. He literally like didn't even fully swing. He had one hand on the bat, just kind of like like set the bat in the path of the ball and it finds a way into the outfield. Yep. It just squeaked through, man. I was like, God damn it. And then it's followed by a double play. It's like, can can we just catch a break? Yeah. Um, and the Brewers went down one, two, three in the bottom of the tenth. It's tough. Now, I have a couple of things I want to say about this game yet. Um, one, I'll start with the with the tenth inning. The fact that people are still complaining about bunting, like you just you got to just let it go. The only time there should be bunting is in a tie game, tie game with zero outs in the bottom of an inning. Any other time, you're you're playing to to not lose. Or in this situation, the Brewers are down two to one. If you're wanting to bunt the runner over, you're playing to tie, not playing to win. Yeah. I don't I don't want to do that. I don't want to play to tie. I want to play to win. Uh, you know, because you're gonna win or lose anyways, you're not gonna tie. All you're doing is delaying your fate for another inning. So let's find out what's gonna happen now. Let's play to win. Last thing with this game, this was Julio Tehran's first appearance going seven innings since August 21st, 2019. Another good pull. That's what I'm here for, man. <laughs> All right, let's get to the finale of this one. Um, hmm. Joey Weimer batting second. Yeah. Freddie Peralta, first strikeout on a 76-mile-an-hour curveball. That's that's just rude. Yeah. <laughs> to, throw, to throw a 76 mile an hour curveball for a strikeout. Uh I will say it got annoying in the second inning. That's where I really got frustrated with this game. Um Christian Yelich hit a dinger to left center. Uh this one was 104 mile an hour off the bat. And then the strike zone got super loose but only against the Brewers. 
the the low inside corner to right-handed batters against the Brewers was being consistently called a strike, but only against the Brewers. That frustrated me. Yeah. Um, the top of the third inning, I liked seeing Luis Urias. So this was a one-two-three inning by Freddie Peralta. The last out was Luis Urias making a play on the run on a slow roller that was coming. So it was like right over the pitcher's mound, and Luis Urias is charging like basically directly at it. But you have to scoop, and as you're bent over scooping the ball to transfer and throw, that's a really difficult play to make, actually. Because mm-hmm. you're basically throwing, you know, it, your body's basically at the angle of being horizontal, mm-hmm. and then trying to make, you know, a, a sidearm throw like that. Um, that's a, that's a tough play to make. So I wanted to give Luis Urias credit for that. Um, you know, it's uh, it the the fourth inning was really was really it. Top of the fourth inning goes single. Hit by pitch, home run, home run. Game was four to two before there was an out recorded. Yeah. Um. I don't know. That's that's really what it came down to for me. Um, both teams scored three runs in the ninth inning. It, I don't know. It really kind of felt like the game was over at that point for the most part. I mean, there was traffic, but um, I don't know what what else stood out to you from the the finale against the A's. Um. It seemed like Peralta was uh, getting hurt on his fastball, and he talked about that after the game. Um, Yelly with a home run, so that was nice to see. Uh, Carantini, uh, Perkins, Miller, and Toro with two RBIs, so that was nice to see. Owen Miller got his 11th double of the year. Um, really, Strzelecki was really the only one that struggled out of the bullpen. Um, yeah. he, had a t- he had a tough week this week, man, but – you know, I still have confidence in him. I still have confidence in that slider. So I'm hoping he, he can right the ship because he's a guy that we're going to need. He's a he's right. a late-inning guy. He's a high-pressure um, high pitcher for us. So we're going to need Strzelecki to, to get his mind right. Um, hopefully they can go on a little run here before the All-Star break. That would be really, really nice. I want to pull up another guy's name just real quick while you're on the subject of late-inning guys. Um, Piamps has been fantastic all year. Uh, one mm-hmm. guy we didn't actually mention in this series yet, uh, Elvis Paguero. Yeah. He gave up uh, three runs in oh, – sorry, four runs against the Astros in that uh, that 12-2 to game. Mm-hmm. Since then, he has not given up a single run. Uh, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten consecutive appearances that Elvis Paguero has not given up a run. Uh, total looks like about – 13 innings that uh, Elvis Peguero hasn't given up a run and he's only given up five hits in that time. All right. So Elvis Peguero is a guy we should, uh, we should probably give a little more credit to actually. So I just yeah. want to throw that out there while you're on the subject of late inning relievers. Yeah. Um, I'm really hoping Strzelecki can turn around, like I said. So yeah. He's a, rookie too. he's a rookie. Yeah. And like I said, I, I trust him. I trust yep. the Brewers pitching lab. So For he's sure. going to turn around. That's, you know, after this loss, this was the one where I was like, oh, boy, I'm just going to avoid social media. I know it's just going to be nothing but negativity. and I'm not putting myself through that. But I still did because I'm a psychopath. So <laughs> well, we're trying to change it. So I think we have to the it's not that we're gluttons for the negativity. Yeah. But 
you know, first and foremost, like we are a sports show. So like we're trying to be in tune with the fan base and what people are thinking and saying, but also we are trying to trying to make better fan bases, I guess. I mean, we want our, the fan bases that we're part of to be more positive and we want, you know, we want the people who are in our fan bases to, you know, be able to potentially apply some of the things that we talk about to their lives, actually. Um, the thing about and, it and is see if like, we can, you know, positively affect people's lives as a sports show. The thing about it is, and I'm not going to go into my rant early, but all the people that like bitch, I'm going to cuss. I'm just, I'm yeah, it's, it's going to happen. I'm not going to work around it today. I'm sorry. The people that do all the bitching are the ones that act like they're the best fans. When truthfully, they have a lot of looking in the mirror to do. That's all I'm going to say. If I had a dollar for every time I've called somebody pessimistic and they're like, I'm not pessimistic, I'm just realistic. You know, there was, uh, and I'm not trying to bring, not trying to say anything bad, but one guy was like, just, just on this other dude, just down his throat. This other guy's trying to like talk reason with him. And I don't know any names, but I was just reading this thread. And I ended up clicking on the guy who was like kind of being a dickhead. Mm-hmm. And I clicked on his profile, and the, the first thing that pops up is a picture of him and his tiny son. And I could not help myself but think that mindset is going to be horrible for that kid. It's going to be horrible. Yeah, that's, that's sad. He's going to grow up and be a mini dickhead. And then he'll be a full-grown dickhead someday. And then we're going to have to deal with him later. <laughs> But anyways, don't I, let your kids be dickheads. I'm a, I got more shit I'm going to say later, but we got it. We got a segment for it. Let's get these two twins games out of the way. Let's just talk about it. Um, yesterday's game, uh, Corbin Burns strike out the side in the first yeah. inning, bottom yeah. of the second, Brian Anderson threw a runner going for two by a solid three steps. Yeah. He gunned him down. Um, which it actually became important because a double after that would have scored that run. Mm-hmm. So he did save a run there. Um, top of the third, Luis Urias drew a walk. Victor Caratini hit a single like he does. And then Christian Yelich hit a two-RBI double, followed by a, a two-RBI single by Rowdy Telez. The Brewers were up 3 nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, bottom of the third for the Twins, a leadoff walk. Brian Anderson went for a sliding catch, missed it. It's one of those really, really tough in-between ones where you either have to try to slide or dive or you have to try to hold up and do, you know, basically the slam on the brakes where you're, like, stuck on your toes thing Mm -hmm. and then kind of, like, tuck your arms in and, like, put your glove down and just hope it doesn't bounce past you. Yeah. Uh, It's just kind of one of those tough places to be in as an outfielder. Uh, But second and third with no outs. Followed by an opposite field single, made it 3-1. And then an RBI ground out, made it 3-2. Game got really quiet after that. And this is where I want to bring up Luis Urias and Willie Adamas. Both played some really good defense in those middle innings. Mm-hmm. Top of the seventh, Christian Yelich hit a two-run home run after another Victor Caratini single. Um, we're just going to have to call him, you know, Captain Single or something. Uh, <laughs> Victor Single. I don't know. We'll think of something. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom of the seventh, Burns came back out, gave up a solo home run, made it five to three. Holby Milner came in, gave up a double, and then gets the next two outs. Paguero came in, got a strikeout on a 97 mile an hour fastball, middle in on a right handed batter. Love it. That was nasty. 
Love Elvis Maguero was one of the guys we got in the Hunter Renfro trade. So that's, I mean, you're looking at, you know, potentially a, uh, a very good return out of that deal. Yeah. Uh, bottom of the eighth, Piamps did allow two one-out runners. Um, got a piece of a liner that turned it into a fielder's choice. Uh, a run scores if he doesn't get a piece of that ball. So just good work by Piamps. Um, and then you get the the quote-unquote hit-by-pitch, like nicked the button on the dude's jersey uh, as a hit-by-pitch, and then he freezes Joey Gallo with a breaking ball to strand the bases loaded. That was great work by Piamps there. Mm-hmm. Uh, top of the ninth inning, Victor Caratini gets a third single. Christian Yelich gets another single, and they're stranded. And then the bottom of the ninth, a leadoff solo shot, a walk single, and it's 5-5. Five to five. And then Correa hit a walk-off two-run home run um, without recording it out. So that was Devin Williams' first appearance, giving up more than one home run. He had never done that before. His first blown save of the season. And I swear to God, if I see another person talking about trading Devin Williams, I'm going to lose my absolute shit. We're not trading Devin Williams. And if your response to that is, will they trade a Josh Hader? Not the same situation. We have the insurance to trade Josh Hader. His name is Devin Williams. Devin Williams also isn't going to be making $15 million next year. True. So the fact that Devin Williams has been literally perfect all season on saves, gives up one blown save just because it's on a losing streak, people want to trade him. We got to put some stuff in perspective. I get losing a winnable game sucks. I get that, that part of it. But look at Devin Williams individually. He's been basically untouchable look we haven't lost a game that he's entered in the same situation until this yeah so miss me with that trade devin williams shit it's not happening we're not trading devin williams mm-hmm. okay what's the out to you from yesterday's game against the twins um burns was very good the bullpen was very good other than williams but man they're not perfect man they're gonna give shit up and, you know, he gave up the solo shot right away. And I was like, oh, boy, all right. Let's lock in here, guy. Yeah. Um, and then, the, you know, like you said, uh, the walk. And then he, he put another guy on base. And then I was like, I just – I'm not saying I predicted it because I obviously didn't want it. But I just had a feeling with Correa, man, because he's a good player. And he was over at that point. So, I just had a feeling. I was I didn't think he was going to hit a homer. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought he was going to get a hit. Um, just it is what it is, man. I, I mean, Yelly back to back games with a home run, so that's pretty sick. Um, two of his four RBIs were with two outs, Telez was with two outs. I mean, it is what it is, man. Okay, what about today's? I, I, game? I'm trying to save what I want to say without we, we are one, we are I know. one segment away from getting I'm, two. I'm so <laughs> close to just like giving it up. Um, Colin Ray, he. I'm not gonna dog Colin Ray, because I didn't even know who the hell he was a couple weeks ago. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was like, I don't know who this guy is. He was in Japan last year. That's why you didn't know who he was. Um, he was. He gave, he had three walks today. Gave up four and runs in five innings. I mean, he also had four Ks. 
Uh, Milner was still good. Uh, Wilson was good. Nowhere in runs, but two walks. Um, uh, uh, Tyson Miller. I can't remember his name right now. Um, he was all right. Um, Yelly with another double, so he has 12. Anderson got off the home run tonight, so that was nice. Yes. Um, Urias got his first homer of the year as well, so that was yes. also nice. Um, the Brewers only had three chances with runners in scoring position, so they were 0 for 3 in that. Um, other than that, just just take your lumps, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet for now because I have a lot to say. Okay, so this game basically was decided in the first three innings. Um, yeah, we were stranded a couple in the first inning, top of the second inning, Brian Anderson, he absolutely smoked that home run that he hit, by the way, it was mm-hmm. 411 feet. That was awesome. Luis Urias made it back to back. I'm like, all right, cool. We're off to a good start. That was pretty much it. Um, Christian Yelich did follow that up with a good hustle double. Uh, that's why I brought up before, like if we're talking about ways to improve the offense, which we'll get to, um, maybe being a little aggressive on the base paths. I mean, Christian Yelich did it, stretched into a double, and he was safe by, I don't know, solid, I would say probably two, three steps. Yeah. Um. So good job by him. Bottom of the third inning, Twins score their four runs, all of them with two outs. And you're looking at the final. Um. I will say it's tough being in a field that you haven't played in a lot and also being in your secondary position for Brian Anderson. I'm not – I'm not making an excuse for him, like saying, you know, like, well, Brian Anderson didn't do anything wrong. What I'm saying is looking at context, Brian Anderson has played all of his career in the NL. Um, so he's played at target field probably less than 10 times in his yeah. career because yeah. there was almost no interleague before this season. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about Marlins and Twins, how often those teams would match up. It's not like Twins and Brewers who are right next to each other and they do the border battle thing. Every year, right the Marlins and the twins don't have that. So you're talking about a a ballpark that Brian Anderson has almost never played in playing his secondary position in a ballpark that has those high fences too. So you got to kind of try to judge those. And it's um, a newer ball. Yeah. It's just a situation where, you know, I didn't feel the need to criticize Brian Anderson's defense. I mean, he's he's doing what he can to to help the Brewers in the outfield. And that's where the Brewers, uh, they brought in Ramael Tapia, he played a lot of years for the Colorado Rockies, and I'll get to him in a second. But Brian, or the Brewers only had one hit after the third inning, no other base runners. So one hit, no walks, no hit by pitches, nothing after the third inning. So we're looking at essentially six innings with one base runner. Yikes. Uh, and I'll get to the offense in a little bit. But Brian Anderson said after the game, talking about today uh, and yesterday, he said, I know it doesn't look good right now, but we're going to bounce back. I have no doubt. Hey, love to hear it. Words of words of encouragement and confidence from a veteran player. I will take that all day long. Love to hear it. Especially when you're talking about players who are actually on the field playing the game every single day professionally for the Brewers, the team that we cheer for. They're literally 500 and everybody's acting like we're like 10 games under. Uh, and that's what I said like before too. Like, oh, it's red bottom. The team's pathetic. The worst in the league. It's like... It literally could be worse. We're literally 500. So, like, we're literally average. And I won't lie, we've looked average at times. So, our yeah. record is speaking for itself. What We are what we what are. Did you, what did you pick the Brewers record to be? I think I was – I want to say it was, like, 87-90 range. I think I was, I, was one, I was one win above you. I know that for a fact. So, I mean, we're talking upper 80s, lower 90s. 
Yeah. 500 would be 81. Think about that. Like, the Brewers could still definitely win 90 games. Like, let's not let's not kid ourselves, right? They could win 90 games. Boy, I, I'm so glad you brought it up. Um, let me let me mention Tapia quick. Okay. So the Brewers added Ramael Tapia. I don't know why the Red Sox DFA'd him. The dude's triple slash batting 264 had a 333 on base percentage and a 368 slugging. I don't know. That's and he plays good defense. I do not know. I'll take that on the Brewers though. I'll, ah, I'll take it too. And he's got sick hair flow. He's got cool dreadlocks. <laughs> All right. <coughs> you uh you ready to rant a little bit? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the floor to you because I know you've been itching, bro. I know you've been itching. So this Isaac's is coming at a good time. All right, this is <laughs> there it is. Oh, Isaac got in here perfect timing. Okay. Woo! No, this... All right. If there are little ears around, just put some earmuffs on them for a second. This yeah, segment is literally titled Quit Being Fucking Crybabies. No, Weatherman Jake is gone. He's a nice guy. I'm not uh, being nice Weatherman, right now. Weatherman Jake only only comes for football season. Yep. Okay. All right, now listen. I want to bring these parallels from sports fandom to life because I think it's important. Not only for for players, but it's also important for us as fans. I do really think strongly that there is a strong correlation with how you act as a fan of teams versus how you like your mindset in real life. I believe there is a strong correlation there. If you are a miserable person in your life, you will be a miserable person in your fandom. We want to help you be more positive in your fandom so you can be more positive in your life. If you have a couple losses in a row in your life, are you going to be calling yourself pathetic? I really Would hope you want that. And I get that people do that, that You're people right. hurt themselves that way by talking about themselves that way. But right. would you want that for yourself? No, that's not a healthy way to live. So let me just bring up 2018, what I would say is probably the best Brewers year in Craig Council time. The Brewers got to the NLCS. They were one game short of the World Series. Mm -hmm. 2018, four games swept by the Chicago Cubs in April. Uh, they started the month of August, 5-10. and 10. And going into um, the month of August... Lost a five-game series to the Pirates. Yeah, the Pirates were horrible, too. Lost all five games. Yep. That happened in 2018. You know what happened? They finished the month of August, average, and they went on the, the Craig Timber of 2018. It's the reason we call it Craig Timber, because the Brewers got so hot in September, forced the game 163, won it, got in the playoffs, made a run one game short of the World Series against the Dodgers and their gajillion dollar payroll. Good times. Um, imagine blaming <laughs> the win. Yeah, it could be worse. It could be worse. Listen, the, the thing is that people, you know, whatever, whatever narrative it is that you want to push, whether it be the bullshit narrative that, oh, this team has no competitive fire, guy hits a home run everybody's excited it's not like everybody's sitting in the dugout like okay yeah cool we hit a home run i can't wait to lose this lead that's how people <laughs> on social media act 
<laughs> Not a damn person in the in the dugout is saying that or thinking that. Oh, can't wait to blow this lead. Uh -huh. Yeah, cool. That's why you're talking on Facebook and this dude's making a million dollars to play a game. Yeah, Doug, who gets his coffee and donut every day, going to oh his concrete Oh, my God, shop. dude. And then, so whether it be, you know, you think it's Craig Council's to blame. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Even though people are blaming Craig Council for losing the game, <laughs> not coaching that day, right, dude? Um, <laughs> which just laughable. Um, or whether you think it be Adonacio, and I, I actually saw people saying to sell the team. Do you not want to have baseball in Wisconsin? Nope. If you're I at a, if you're at a point where you, that's how you want to act. The Brewers are at a critical junction of whether they're going to be here for the next 20 years or not. If if it doesn't get done now, like this would be the time that the Brewers would get moved. Yeah. Like, do people realize that? And you actually want to suggest that. I don't want the Brewers to leave. I don't want to have one less team to talk about every Wednesday. Yeah, that would suck. I don't want to have nothing to talk about in the summertime because we don't have a baseball team here to watch. Wow. We could talk about our minor league hockey team. Yeah, which I would like to, but that's we're getting into more niche with that. Yeah. The other thing being, oh, Adonacio didn't spend. They didn't come into the season prepared. First of all, they didn't come into the season expecting Garrett Mitchell and Jesse Winker and Tyrone Taylor, uh, 754 pitchers to all be hurt. <laughs> you, you can't come in in the middle of June, see 14 guys injured, and be like, why didn't they plan for this? You shitting me? And then the other thing being not spending. It doesn't correlate with winning. It doesn't. Winning and spending do not correlate the same way. The, the exact examples are right in front of our faces this season. Being the Padres sure. and the Mets. They both have sure. nearly triple the payroll of the Brewers and worse records. And fewer injuries. And more superstar players and worse records. Hence, and worse records. Hence this category name. Quit being fucking crybabies. The Brewers, all things considered, could be in a much worse position. Anything you'd like to add to this segment? <laughs> okay. 
first of all, uh, for everybody who just uh, comes on Facebook and bitches, please shut the fuck up. Please. <laughs> I literally have that written down to say that first. Please <laughs> shut the fuck up. You are so annoying. Like, I can't imagine living with you if this is how you deal with sports. I can't. How many times do we have to tell you? How many times does Tyler have to back his goddamn chair up and tell you that baseball season's fucking long? <laughs> long. Bro, I didn't expect you to call me out like that on backing the chair up. Oh, and shit. It's, it, it's not like I'm calling you out, but it's like, are people not paying attention? Do you not know that they play 162 of these motherfuckers? Oh, that's awesome. Do you understand that you could lose some games? They could literally go on a seven-game winning streak, and this yep. never fucking happened. It's, it never it, happened. This is the thing is that you can say that. You can say this team can go on a seven-game win streak, and people will be like, no, they can't. They're so bad. Literally the team that you were calling the worst team in MLB history – for the last series of the Brewers lost at home, they got swept by, are mm-hmm. on a seven-game winning streak. Seriously. If the worst team, quote-unquote, in MLB history can go on a seven-game winning streak, a, a subpar offensive, good pitching, great defensive team can also go on a seven-game winning streak. They could also win 20 out of 30 games in September. They could also win 20 out of 30 games in August. They could also win... 15 out of 22 games in July. They could finish the month of June over 500. This is not the end of the world on June 14th. Dude, a chunky white guy is getting called the best player in basketball. Sports is amazing, dude. Sports and, is oh, amazing. If Anything I, can happen. And the season exactly. is not over. It exactly. is literally June 14th. Are you fucking kidding me? I can't do this anymore. This is why I don't we, comment. We got because what, I know once 90, I comment, dude, 94 games to go, 92. I know once I comment, it's just going to be a back and forth, and I'm just going to be wasting my time with some fucking sorry son of a bitch who lives at home and smells like cigarettes. Okay. And I don't, you, you just, I'm the, the, okay. So the one other, the two things that I'm tired of explaining is, or I should say, all right, it's one thing I'm tired of explaining and one thing I'm tired of hearing. The thing I'm tired of explaining is that Major League Baseball is the most zoomed out regular season. Yes, thank you. It has more ebbs and flows than any other professional sport. Just ride the wave. Oh, dude, people are riding it hard. They're riding yeah, it up so their freaking hard. anus, they're riding, obviously. They're riding a 162 baseball season, 162 baseball game season, like it's a 17-game NFL season. It's just ridiculous. There's ten times as many games. It just it just makes no sense, dude. I'm just so oh my god! No wonder people are like, you know, basically bipolar on the internet. You gotta just relax a little bit. My God, man! And the thing that I'm tired of hearing is, <laughs> I've been a fan for this many years. I pay money to do this. I have the right to criticize and call them out when they're being shitty or pathetic or whatever. Nobody's saying that you can't, but we're we're really trying to call into question whether you should. And I'm not saying that you should do what we say, but the reason we are saying that you should change your mindset on these things is because it makes a difference in your fucking life. It True. seriously has. Jake actually just said this to me the other day. He's like, I can tell the work that we've done has changed me. Yeah. 
just by reading the comments, I'm like, bro, I would never go off the deep end like this. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and it's it really actually, like I said before, it actually really makes me proud of the first two comments that came in on the show where this happens to all teams every year, ride it out, and don't count the Brewers out yet. They can still get hot. I'm proud that those are the people that are commenting on our show. Um, James, uh, <coughs> nobody's saying you can't. Also, nobody cares. <laughs> and and that's the thing. Like, it's, you know, if you want to be negative, like, don't, don't be the first person running to Facebook just to hope that other people want to be miserable with you. If you're going to be miserable, like, keep it to yourself so you're not making more people miserable. Um, James brought up a really also, good point about the Diamondbacks. They're leading their division, and they have the lowest payroll in their division. Money and, money and spending do not directly correlate. They do sometimes. But when we get, like I mentioned, some of these statistics that I'm going to into it on how to improve, um, spending doesn't mean shit. The Brewers are better than the Yankees in some categories. They're better than the Padres in some categories. They're better than the Mets in some categories. It's, it's, you just, when we're talking about the baseball season, it's 10% or 10 times as many games. So we're talking about being through, uh, 68 games. So call it seven games of the NFL season. A two and five team could make the playoffs. I mean, it's but rare. The thing, the Brewers haven't, haven't lost the equivalent of five NFL games. That would be a 20 and 50 record, which is right where the Oakland A's are. I'm not saying the Oakland A's are going to end up putting themselves in the playoffs, but I'm saying that there's so much, <laughs> so much of this season left. Yeah. I mean, we're not even at the halfway point yet. Yeah. We're, we're, I mean, we're barely over a third of the way through, mm-hmm. and people are completely off the ship already. Good, I'm about to kick the rest of them off. Uh, and like you, like you said before, that we're literally just entering the dog days. Like today is essentially day one of yeah. the dog days. We're like literally the Stanley Cup playoffs ended last night. The yeah. finals ended the night before. Yeah, and the NFL is, doesn't start training camp for about a month and a half yeah so we are literally today is day one of the dog days and people are already like completely off the rockers and have you know smashed the rockers and put it onto a bonfire like okay cool you have a month and a half to build yourself another rocking chair for the rest of the season like that's that's what i would say is actually a decent analogy for it if you're off the rocker, you have time to build another one and then to sit down in it for the last two months of the season still. I don't want so that So much of the season left to go. Yeah, it's... Um, James said, you know what I've noticed? Teams that expect that expect their teams to be bad tend to not go into chaotic meltdowns when their teams lose, like teams that expect their teams to be contenders do after one game. And that's where I brought up Jake and I, I think our records were in the, the low 90s, upper 80s. Yeah. So, you know, when you talk about a seven game losing streak, that's something that you don't feel that, you know, a team that wins 90, 95 games does. And that's, you know, when you talk about the scheme of a season, you can win just as many games in a row as you lose. It's, there's nothing preventing you from doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've said in years past, and one of my positive takeaways actually from last season with the Brewers tied into one of the things that Craig Council said that having high expectations is in and of itself a positive takeaway. Yeah. 
like I I'm actually glad that we have the opportunity to be saying, you know, like we have a chance in our division, even though it's not a great division. I don't care. Get me in and let's see what happens. Yeah, you never know. Uh, last year, a wild card team was in the um, World was Series. In the um, yeah, the World Series. Yes, thank you. Um, the 2019 Nationals were a wild card team that won the World Series. Um, the year before, oh, there was a wild card team in the. I know it was in the NLCS. I don't remember if there was one in the ALCS too. But I mean, you're talking about the Final Four of Major League Baseball. There's been a wild card team in it, basically. I want to say like four out of the last five seasons, including one World Series winner, was a wild card team. Man. Just get me in. I don't yeah. care what what it takes. Like, just I don't care if it's 87 wins wins the NL Central. I don't care. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, here we go. They're going to get in just to get, you know, swept by whatever series. I don't care. Get me in. Get me a chance. Um, Isaac said it cracks me up when people watch the team win five games, and once they lose one, oh, here we go again. We're doomed. That's what it feels like, except it's now, you know, the Brewers are on a five-game five six? Six. Six. Uh, six losing streak. And it's been like doom, 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 doom. And it's just every day. And every day it's trade somebody or fire somebody new. It's, oh, I hate it. Like, it's just got to be, you know, some context. And the thing that I would ask is if you're so desperate to complain that you can't, you know, you can't hold it in, that you need to run to social media and complain, can we please just suggest something constructive? And, you know, I'm going to comment something right here, right, real quick. First of all, to, to Isaac's comment, that's just people with weak mindsets, in my opinion. You lose one, they're like, oh, no, uh, PTSD. Uh, well, uh, go away, first of all. Um, second of all, I was going to say, what just happened in the NBA? A team that lost the first playing game, first of all. Yep. They had to win. They were on their last leg. They made it to the you know, finals, dude. Yep, and they were running through everybody. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, they got tired. They weren't shooting as good because they were making every three, every three, right? Yep. And Jimmy was just on fire, going crazy, and they just made it to the finals, dude. Yep. There's no reason to say the Brewers can't be the team in baseball to be on their last leg, and they somehow win the pennant. That, they somehow that, make it to the World Series. That's 2019 Nationals team. Beat the Milwaukee Brewers in a one-game playoff in the wild card round. Yeah, think and then about went that. and won a World Series. Think about that, man. And that was the last time they won a playoff game, by the way. Random stat, but um, I don't think they've sniffed the playoffs. No, they have not. But <laughs> it's it's nuts that people are just. It is fucking June fourteenth, dude. Yeah. How many yeah. times I have to tell you? Also, again, please shut the fuck up. I'm just so sick and tired of reading that shit, dude. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. Um, Isaac so said annoying. the fire people crowd never have any viable replacements. And that's definitely true. Uh, for as much complaining as people have done about the Brewers hitting coaches and bench coach. Um, I mean, like if we're talking about replacements, I mean, like what, Jim Henderson, the bullpen coach? Like, sure. But he's a former player, just like Greg Council, who hasn't been managing games for the last nine years. Yeah, and also not the winningest manager in, in team history or anything like that, or hasn't won a couple World Series. You know, it's no big yeah, deal. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. No big deal. Get, no big deal. Oh, man, he'd get scooped up so fast. Yeah, they were. Um, 
James brought up the year that the Blues won the Stanley Cup. They were in last place in the whole league in the All-Star break. Hockey's crazy like that, though. Hockey's, I will say hockey's that. fun. Playoff hockey's so fun. Hockey's Okay. Nuts. So we're going to transition now, like I said, to to a you know a constructive thing. So I said last week that I was going to look up how the Brewers can improve. So I've looked up a bunch of their stats, percentages, where they lie. Um, it's not a secret that the Brewers' offense is what needs to improve. Yep, yep. Uh, mentioned it today. Only one base runner after the third inning. It's not a secret that the offense is where the improvement is needed. Well. But can we just do something other than saying the Brewers' offense sucks? That's not constructive. That helps nobody. That's just a shrinking mindset, and it's just it's whining, essentially. Hence the previous segment, quit being crybabies. It's just whining. It's just blind, mindless whining that serves no purpose to anybody. Mm-hmm. So, and, and like I said, Jake and I, we do this for the positivity, optimism aspect of it. But sometimes we have to be realistic, and the realistic aspect of it is that the Brewers are in bottom five in a lot of offensive categories. Now, when I relay these numbers and percentages, I'm going to look at them and deduce what can be done to change them. I'm not just going to sit here and complain about it. I'm going to look at what can improve. That is a growth mindset that Jake and I have discussed since Badger basketball season. So, batting average, the Brewers are 26th. We're talking about spending. The Yankees are in 24th, two spots ahead of the Brewers. The Padres are two spots back in 28th. Oh, shit. They have Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis on their team. And they are 28th in batting average. Yeah, Isaac, the I can hit better. (laughs) Yeah. That's just like the people that, you know, think they can – you know, throw better than the quarterbacks and, and shoot yeah. better than the players in the NBA. Coach better than NFL coaches. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah. So home runs, and spoiler alert, this is going to come back. The Brewers are 16th in home runs. It's okay. That's not where they've been in years past. Yeah. Um, they're middle of the pack in walks. They are fourth in strikeouts. And herein lies my first thing that can improve. Oh. Is they need to strike out less. It's just really plain and simple. They're fourth yeah. in the league in strikeouts. It's just it needs to be better. Jesus. Um, and I have you know when I get to some of these percentages, I have ways that I think it can be done. So the Brewers are also twenty fifth in on base percentage, which if you're striking out, it's not going to be helpful. They're twenty seventh in slugging percentage, just really on par for it. Now here's where things get a little bit interesting. The Brewers are sixteenth in barrel percentage. That's not bad. That's right around middle of the league. Uh, they're 21st in hard hit percentage, which is obviously bottom third. Mm-hmm. But here's this is probably the most eye-opening ranking for me. These two, they go together. 28th in zone swing percentage. Oh. 27th in zone contact percentage. Oh. So... And this might go to the detriment of my first thing, which was to strike out less. But here's the thing. The Brewers just got to swing more. They got to swing more. Uh, Especially at pitches in the zone. Because here's the thing. They have the eighth lowest chase percentage, which is great. It's totally a great place to be in. Super happy with that. Yeah. 
which tells me that the Brewers have the plate discipline to not swing at bad pitches. Mm-hmm. But the the thing that I really believe that they need to do is when the pitches are on the edges, it's time to swing at those. Um, and when I get into another one down the line, I'm going to kind of look at like what to do with those pitches when they're swinging at them. Um, the Brewers, this ties into their strikeouts. They are fifth in whiff percentage. So to me, I'm looking at, you know, with that and the zone swing percentage, I'm looking at it where the Brewers are looking for certain pitches. Mm-hmm. And if they're not getting those, they're not swinging. And then they get into positions where they're looking for certain pitches and not getting those and then swinging and missing. So maybe to me, it almost seems like maybe a scouting thing because, I mean, you're looking at, you know, some of the swinging um, statistics, uh, 22nd in BABIP. Do you know what BABIP stands for? No, I do not. That is batting average on balls in play. Brewers are 22nd. So when they make contact, they're 22nd in batting average on balls that are actually in play. Now they are they have the sixth highest ground ball percentage. I believe that. And they are 28th in line drive percentage. I believe that too. So here's the thing. They're middle of the pack in weak contact. They are number four in topped contact. So, so they're swing. swinging over the top of pitches. Okay. So they're number four in that. So mm. it's really the Brewers are beating the ball into the ground a lot and just grounding out a lot, as well as striking out a lot. They all, they get a hit, get a ground out. Um, I didn't look to see where they rank in grounded the double plays. I didn't look yeah. at that. Wow. Um, they are 29th in flare, which is like the you know the ones that just get over the infield. So yeah. the Brewers could use a little luck on their side too. They wouldn't mind a little luck on the Brewers aspect of it. 26th in solid contact percentage. And then they are number two in soft contact percentage. Where you want to be. Sorry. Um, <laughs> this one, this is the, the one that you saw commented on earlier was batting average in clutch situations. The yeah. Brewers were 26th. Yeah. They are above the Mets and the Padres in that aspect, though. So I'll back yeah. again. Spending does not directly correlate with winning. Yeah, the Padres have been ass, man. Let's just call it what it is. Man, man. all right. So here's what I'm looking at as far as where the Brewers are hitting the ball. They are 11th in opposite field, which I'm perfectly happy with them being there. They've done a really good job of using the opposite they field. They have, yeah. Um, they are the fourth highest middle percentage. Mm. So the Brewers are hitting up the middle a lot. Mm-hmm. But they are 27th in pull percentage. That probably has something to do with their approach. So that's where I'm really looking at it between the zone swinging and the pulling. Like it, it might be time to just say, hey, like if you're a lefty, put the ball down the right field line. If you're a righty, put the ball down the left field line. Yeah. Like we don't, you don't always have to have that opposite field approach. And the Brewers have a lot of guys that are good at that. 
and it maybe is just a thing where they're so focused on like, all right, there's a big gap in right center. Like I'm going to try to hit it. Like I get, like I get seeing, you know, being wide eyed and being like, man, look how big that gap is out there. Mm-hmm. And, and Willie Adamas looking at it and being a guy who can hit to right center and then popping out to left field. Cause you're looking at that right center gap thinking like, man, if I can just hit it there, I can run forever. Yeah. So that's really where I'm, I'm kind of coming down to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's so much, you know, pre-swing, you know, focus taken on that, that that's where they're leading into, you know, getting on top of the ball, swinging and missing, not swinging it, pitches in the zone because you're not getting the pitch you look for. Um, and then part of it too is we're, we're talking guys who are probably expecting to spend the entire year in AAA being forced into major roles. Yeah. And the, the Abraham Toros, the Andrew Monasterio, John Singleton, who's getting a lot of hate with like, Hey, he's, he's doing what he can. Like obviously he's struggling in the 10 games that he's been here, but I mean, he probably expected to spend the entire year in AAA. Yeah. And he's, he's doing what he can. Um, Blake Perkins is another one who's probably expecting to spend the entire year in AAA and he's here playing almost every day. That's yeah. where I'm hoping that the Rami El Tapia situation can be something that ends up helping the Brewers a lot. That would be nice. Um, so basically what I'm looking for the Brewers to do, swing in the zone more, get the ball off the ground, and look to pull the ball a little bit more. That's where I'm looking at. Because when I'm looking at things here, the Brewers are 23rd in value batting. So they're in the bottom third. Could be worse. Um, They're 23rd in runs above replacement. That, to me, is an indicator of some of the injuries because we're talking about replacement players who are making (laughs) lots of appearances for the Brewers. We're talking about replacement players like the guys that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Those guys are playing a lot. Those are replacement players. Um, Isaac, I'm going to, I'm going to refute that a little bit. I'm going to go against that a little bit. Isaac said small ball helps as well. Don't swing for the fences at any pitch. I actually don't think the Brewers are doing that as much. Um, because they're not hitting the ball super hard. It's not, you know, they're not swinging for the fences. They're not super, they're not top half of the league in barrel percentage. Um, I think the Brewers could use a few more home runs actually. Last few years, we've been talking about the Brewers being top five, top ten in home runs. This year, they're 16th. Yeah. I mean, I haven't looked, but, I mean, it feels like the Brewers have lost a lot of close games. Uh, It doesn't feel like they've gotten blown out often. But it's like a couple games here or there, even if there's a couple solo shots or one two-run home run or one three-run home run, uh, the Brewers change from a win to a loss. Um, yeah, Isaac said it irks me at times when players swing at pitches out of the zone. That That is one thing the Brewers are actually doing well. Like I, I mentioned, eighth lowest chase percentage. I'm perfectly happy with being in that position. Now, this is something that, that we lost a little bit with Garrett Mitchell, but, I mean, we're talking about a solid month since that happened. The Brewers are sixth in stolen bases. So the Brewers are still the Brewers are still grabbing bases uh, that keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brewers aren't getting thrown out a ton, so I'm I'm perfectly fine with continuing to steal bases. Um, 
this is where it's a little tough. The Brewers are 24th in value running. This is base running. It's This is where I brought up being a little more aggressive on the base pass, and I think this, to me, comes down to Jason Lane, the third base coach. you gotta, you got to windmill some guys a little more. Yeah. For, may have forced the issue a little bit. The Brewers aren't having a ton of success getting on base, which I mentioned with their 28th on base percentage. Sorry, 25th on base on base percentage. Well, you get guys on base, you got to start moving them around the bases a little more. Um, you know, having guys going from first to third is something that they I feel that they do fairly often, but you got to start sending guys around third base. Mm-hmm. Force the issue, force your defense. And I feel like I said this last year, force the defense to make a perfect play to get you out. It's and almost I, you don't want to make the first or the last out on the base path. I get that. that that's one of those unwritten rules of baseball. But right. when you're looking at trying to create more offense, you've got to start being a little more aggressive with the guys on base when you are actually getting guys on base. Yeah. That's where I brought up today. Christian Yelich had that hustle double. He hit a ball that was kind of slow rolling into the outfield. Instead of jogging with his first, you know, jogging to first base, happy with a single, he busted it right out of the batter's box, went straight to second base. I need more of that. Yeah. Like, obviously, I'm not expecting Rowdy Tellez to try to leg out doubles and shit, but you know what? <laughs> I mean, within good reason, right? Like, you don't need to hold Luis Urias at third base. Like, send him. I agree. Um, Here is one. I'm going to end with this one because it's a palate cleanser that makes me feel good. The Brewers are number one in value fielding. The Brewers have the best valued defense in Major League Baseball, according to fan graphs. So that makes me happy. Nice. Okay. Anything else you want to throw out there with the Brewers? I have I have their schedule ahead of oh, me. Um, the Brewers have three games against Pittsburgh, three games against Arizona. Uh, I'm going to look for a four and two week. I would like to just win the two series. I'm not looking for any sweeps. I'd be happy if they do. But I just want the Brewers to win the next two series, get some mojo back, some confidence. Um, that's what I'm ready all right, I'm just gonna ignore that for a sec. Um, okay, dad joke Wednesday over there from Isaac. Isaac becomes a dad and he starts making dad jokes. I was, I was gonna tell Isaac before because he's been taking his son swimming. We'll take all the all the shitty fans that we don't like. And we'll just have your son drown him in the deep end. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, Isaac's son is really little. He's not actually drowning anybody. No, 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 no. He's like he's like a baby. Baby, it's a joke. Um, <laughs> I'll go four and two. I think they're capable of that. Uh, Diamondbacks are a good team this year, and mm-hmm. the Pirates are surprisingly good. But these are all at home, by the way. You gotta, you gotta believe uh, what Brian Anderson said. He's gonna create some good, good karma, some good juju. So, yeah, I agree with it. <laughs> and, and this is the thing: like, if you're so, so desperately that the Brewers are pathetic, they can't do this, can't do that. The, the team that I, I just said this during the rant, the team that you said is the worst team, quote unquote, in baseball history is on a seven game winning streak. Yeah. The Brewers can do it too. And then they'd be seven games over 500 back in first place. This, this three game series, the Pirates, if they can take two out of three, they'll be back in first place in their division, despite being on a six game losing streak just before that. On June 14th, by the way. I don't know if anybody remembers the date. Yeah, it is. It is June fourteenth. Thank you for bringing that up. Actually, I had totally forgotten that it was June fourteenth. Wow, that's for all the the people that think the season's over. So yeah, we're literally not even halfway. 
All right. The next game is game 69, so we got that going. Nice. Oh, man, that feels like a good way to start a 69-game winning streak. Oh, 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 don't even start. (laughs) All right. So last thing we have for today's show is talking about Adrian Griffin. Um, We didn't talk about his press conference last week. Jake was a little under the weather, so we got to go back to this week. And it kind of worked out a little bit because we've gotten – Basically, his entire staff finalized. Um, unfortunately, Charles Lee kind of caught in the crosshairs. Um, or kind of, you know, the odd man out. So we're looking at, obviously, Adrian Griffin, um, DJ Baker, um, Nate Mitchell, Joe Prunty, Patrick Matumbo, uh, and then Josh Oppenheimer and Vin Baker and Terry Stotts as the lead assistant. So, uh, Jake, we can start with – let's start with Adrian Griffin. Um what what are you thinking about the hire? I mean, how are you feeling about it? Man, during his presser, he said one thing that really stood out to me and should stick out to every single person. Every well, not every single person, I guess, because not not everybody's going to watch a presser for the Bucks' new head coach, right? Um, but the one thing that he said is he started talking about the X's and O's, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're listening to him, he goes, "Ah, um," and he's not a great speaker. I'll say that to start right now. It's his first opportunity, really. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. But I'll tell you this. He's a basketball guy. Uh That guy knows basketball. Immediately when he started, and he's very respectful. I love that he wanted to know everybody's name, and he was thanking them for their time and questions and stuff. The the first opportunity he got to talk X's and O's, dude, he just went off. Horst said the same thing about his interview. He said they could tell when they brought him back to talk X's and O's. He they they said uh, Horst said he was like itching to go and talk about it. He was yeah, he was itching to go up to the whiteboard and break down the film. And you know when he he was talking, he was real slow and and very monotone. And then he got a little excited talking about pressure in the ball and 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 defense first and and turning defense into offense. And he said, you know, he got asked a question about being a defensive minded guy and how that translates to offense and he said if you're a defensive guy it's almost like you got a cheat sheet to the offense so you because you can figure out what they're going to do so i like that as well also i love that he said pressure the ball i'm going to keep bringing that up because that's amazing i think his mindset is going to match with Giannis. that's like the first thing um i just i did see that isaac that the bucks are might make a run at bradley beal i don't know john horse is an aggressive gm yeah. So I would not take anything off the table. Just say that. Um, I want to pull up the exact article. I want to see exactly what Shams said about it when he mentioned he, the Bucks. He's going to put the best roster possible so that this team can be as successful as humanly possible under the Adrian Griffin-led Milwaukee Bucks. The last thing that I'm going to say real quick before – uh, before I listen to Tyler and then I'm going to remember that I forgot something to say <laughs> is he talked about switching up game plans mid game. He talked about guarding different players differently, you know, in playoff series. And he said, we're playing for April, May and June. And i tell you what, that fucking got me going, dude. I was like, fuck yeah, we are. I knew this shit was going to happen. Oh, I'm so pissed right now. I freaking knew that because Jokic made the finals, he's the best player in the league. There's a freaking – I have a freaking screenshot from ESPN. They said, do you want to take Jokic or the field for the next five years? 
and they all pick Jokic. They all pick the field. I don't care who it is. I'm always taking the field. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) You know who's in their field? A seven foot pissed off Greek god, dude. And he like every time I think he can't get more jacked. He literally proves me wrong and comes back more jacked. People are going to regret talking. And now he's angry. Yeah, the Giannis villain starts soon. Not soon enough. But I'm telling you, oh, he's about man. to be wrecking everybody. And Giannis dude, the chip on his shoulder, dude. Like, Jokic is not better than Giannis. I'm not having that debate right now. But God, am I so mad about that Jokic shit, dude? And Jokic is a really good player. Yep. I'm not saying he's trash. Yeah. But I he's just awesome. He's fun to watch. He's good for the game. He's, he's awesome on offense. He's a great playmaker. Yep. His IQ is off the charts, bro. Yep. But he cannot switch on a screen, on a shooting guard. That's where it ends. That's the conversation. It's done. It's he, over now. I mean. I'm sorry. I was there's, just... I could think of probably 10 big men who could score on Jokic every single possession off the top of my head. Dude, it, it's. And, and just real quick, because we're on the subject of the Nuggets, I want to say for two players that I'm actually really happy for them that they won this championship. Actually three, sorry, three, one being Jamal Murray. Cause I actually really like him. I like Jamal Murray. Um, better two, one. uh, two being Bruce Brown. I, I'm okay with that because he was stuck on that Nets team. <laughs> that was kind of, you know, yeah. ooh, the Nets he got really, really good this year too. Um, so Bruce Brown for him. Good for him. He got out of the, the KD Kyrie Brooklyn situation. Um, and was able to win a title out of it. The other one is Aaron Gordon. Oh, you didn't say the one that I'm thinking. Aaron Gordon was on some terrible Orlando Magic teams. Yeah. And and now he's got a ring in, in Denver. So I'm actually – I'm glad for him too. The one guy that I'm really happy for – I didn't even think about Aaron Gordon. Uncle Jeff, dude. Jeff Green. Jeff Green. I'm yeah. so happy for him, dude. I yeah, really am. Good for him. He was actually like, on one of those Brooklyn teams too, so – yeah, as as a human being, because he was going through a lot of stuff, man. Like mentally, that's got to be tough to deal with, like all the cool stuff. But he's man, played for what, Uncle nine Jeff. teams, I want to say. Man, he's played for the whole league, man. Like I've seen him in every everybody jersey, except man. for the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> right, but he's played for he's played for a lot of teams. Like so, good for him for getting one. Um, <coughs> Isaac, as for the Bucks being interested in Bradley Beal. Um, it's not actually something that came from the team. So this is what Shams has in his article on the subject of Bradley Beal. It says it's unclear whether the Wizards will ultimately decide upon a rebuild or if they find an acceptable trade. But sources said both sides are working amicably to find the path forward. With the draft looming on June 22nd, the sources who were granted anonymity because they were not authorized to discuss the matter said the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks are expected to be prominent suitors for Beal if he reaches the market. Oh. That's all we got. Dude, and what did I tell you? The Heat are going to be connected to every goddamn player now. Bradley Beal they've been connected to previously, but, like, right. it's not a, a situation where, um, <laughs> you know, the, the Bucks have made an offer for Bradley Beal because they haven't. There's there's nothing to support that. It's just that right. these sources expect the Bucks to be involved. <laughs> yeah. um, Justin's watching on YouTube. He says it's been a while. 
Said he misses me, but not Jake. I understand. Um, Who would you hear? Fred Van Vliet? We already know that one. Yeah, he's he's been linked to the Bucks a couple times, too. Um, yeah, me, and me part of me not liking him stems from the fact that he goes nuclear every time he plays against the Bucks. So if he's on our team, I have I have reason to you know hate him less because then he can't go nuclear against the Bucks. That would actually kind of make sense because of the Griffin hire and the Patrick Matumbo hire. Right. Kind of has the Raptor. They have, we have the Raptor ties a little bit. Right. Just give us Siakam while you're at it. I'll take Siakam all day. <laughs> right. You wanted Gary Trent last year, so I mean you got that. Gary Trent is a good role player. Yeah, I agree. He, he okay. reminds me a little bit of a Bruce Brown. That's fair. I'll say I'll say Bruce Brown is a better defender. Gary Trent is a better shooter. I'll agree with that. Yeah, Siakam, yeah. you put Siakam and Giannis on the floor at the same time, you're not scoring. Bro, you're getting length. You're getting playmaking. You're getting people that can get to the rim. Like, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> that would be unfair. Uh, okay. So back to Adrian Griffin. Uh, I wanted to bring this up because nine first-year head coaches have won championships. Three of those nine came in the last decade. Really? You want to guess who those three are? I know one Steve Kerr. That's one. Who the hell? Oh, Tyron Lue, maybe? That's one. That's So there you got two out of three. So on the Cavs. Super close to Adrian Griffin. Oh, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is the third one. Aha! Three coaches in the last 10 years have won championships in their first season as a coach. Huh. Interesting. And no prior head coaching experience before that. Say it ain't so. So if you're worried about the fact that he didn't have prior head coaching experience, despite the fact that he's been an assistant for 15 years and played in the NBA for eight years before that, so he's been in the NBA for 23 straight years, Uh. I'm not super worried about it. Um, the other thing with him, he said he's got his three C's is character, confidence, and creativity. I love that. That's a super simple way to talk about the approach to, to guys that they put on his staff. Mm -hmm. And then as far as, uh, on the court, he said ball movement, body movement, and they're still going to work inside out. Um, it's super, super simple, but it's also, you know, it's a philosophy that I think would build a winning basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaac said, if Adam Silver elects to have World versus USA at the All Star Game, how's the All Star gonna? How's the USA gonna win? It's just like the Olympics, except everybody else gets put against the US. Um, I I like that more for the futures game when you're talking the like the rookie sophomore game when they do that. I like doing that USA versus World, um, versus doing all the established guys. Bro, the all-star game, dude, the world would freaking shit down our necks, dude. It would be bad. Well, just the starting five of the world team would be nuts. Dude, Embiid, Doncic, Jokic, Giannis. I mean, Wemby at some point. Think about that. That's four seven-footers and a six-seven guy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know I mean, SGA is technically because he's Canadian. Uh, Murray. Uh, Wiggins is Canadian. Wiggins. Ben Simmons is Damn, Australian. Bro. Kyrie could technically be considered Australian. Australian, right? Oh my goodness! They're, they're not. We're not touching them. <laughs> it's over. Um. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, back to back to the Bucks coaching staff. Um. That's where I'm at with 
with Adrian Griffin. I like the hire. I'm good with it. Um, getting to assistance. Um, let's just let's just kind of go down the bench. So we're gonna get Terry Stotts first. What do you think about Terry Stotts? Great hire. Uh, veteran guy, been in the league for a long time. Was a head coach for the Bucks from 05 to 07. Um, understands how to coach superstars. He was with Dame for a long time. Dame loves him. Um, so great, great. Uh, just because you brought up Damian Lillard, I'm going to say this, that getting Terry Stotts as an assistant coach is not a signal that we're going to get Damian Lillard. I mean, I'll take him. <laughs> I would too. But it's <laughs> everything I've seen from Portland is that they would rather move forward with Damian Lillard than Anthony Simons, which is nuts to me. Simons is much younger, but yeah. I get Andy, it. Dame is a superstar. He's got crazy potential too. Yeah. We don't even know what he could be with the, you know, the full potential. Yeah. Good, good coaching. Okay. So Terry Stotts, he's an offensive mind. And I, I talked about it during the off season that I wanted an offensive minded head coach with a defensive assistant and the Bucks did it the opposite way. They went with a defensive mind and an offensive assistant. Which, which I'm okay with because they're talking about the team being a defensive first, and you mentioned defense leading into offense. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, makes sense by going defense in the lead chair, offense in the first chair. Mm -hmm. um, Stotts carried Portland to eight straight playoff appearances with Portland. Um, he's developed picks well, and he was on the coaching staff of the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. Oh, that too. That's a good point. Uh, that's the Mavericks team that beat the big three Miami Heat. So I figured I'd mention that with him. Um, so Josh Oppenheimer, Vin Baker, Patrick Matumbo, Joe Prunty, Nate Mitchell, DJ Baker. Is there anything you want to say about any of those guys specifically? I have a couple notes, but nothing extensive. Uh, Patrick Matumbo, he worked with uh, Griffin in Toronto, so there's familiarity yep. there. Uh, Prunty's coming back. He was with the Bucks from 14 to 18, so kind of those green and growing years. Remember that those days? Mm -hmm. um, Oppenheimer, he was with us from uh, 2013 to 2016. He came back to us. Future in, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he came back to us in 2020. He's been with us ever since. Uh, Vin Baker, uh, former All Star, really, really good NBA player. He's really the he gets the credit for developing Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis. Uh, so love that they kept him around. Big, big guy whisper, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, DJ Baker, all I got on him is that he coached the Pistons G League team. So he understands player development. So that's going to be yep. great for guys like Marjan and AJ Green and whoever we decide mm -hmm. to draft this year. And uh, Nate Mitchell, also a player development type. Yep. Uh, he, he is the U23 Canadian team guy. Um, he works with guys like RJ Barrett and uh, SGA and He's credited for helping those guys grow their games too. So, you you touched on pretty much everything that I have. Um, I will throw out with Oppenheimer and Vin Baker being retained. Those two guys are both super close with Giannis. Yeah. Um, Oppenheimer actually ended up on the Greece coaching staff in the 2022 Euro Basket Championship last summer. Oh wow, um, that's interesting. That's how close he is with Giannis. He goes to Greece in the off seasons with Giannis to work out. Um, Griffin was just there, and Marjan Baker and Oppenheimer were all just there. Wow. Um, Marjan is actually in Giannis with Greece too. Dude, that Instagram post he had was fire. That was fire. Uh, so, last thing I want to throw out is with Nate Mitchell. You mentioned his player development. Um, 
one of the things I want to bring up is even though that he was familiar with Griffin in Toronto, he previously coached under James Barrago in Charlotte. Mm. I wanted the Bucks to bring in James Barrago because I think he's a great offensive-minded coach. So they're getting some of that, um, you know, that coaching tree a little bit mm-hmm. with Barrago having been, you know, Nate Mitchell having been on his staff previously in Charlotte. So maybe if we get just a little bit of shades of Borrego from Nate Mitchell, I'll still get a little bit of that satisfaction as far as the Bucks' offense is concerned. Ah, a little bit of sprinkles here. It could be good. Yeah, I'll take some sprinkles. I like it. We'll pull a little sprinkles on this cupcake. I'm in. <laughs> Make this delicious. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to say about the Bucks coaching staff? I think they're going to put in work, and I'm excited. Okay, I'm going to end the show with this, and it's a little bit, I don't want to say heavy, but its it, I feel that it's important. So I said this to Jake on Sunday. Sunday was the third game of the, the A's yep. series. Yep. And this is what I said was when I was talking about going from the, the crybabies to the what can improve segments mm-hmm. is I get being frustrated, but just can we be constructive? Yeah. And we be, you know, somewhat growth minded from our place of frustration. And that's how I want to handle not only looking at sports things, but what well, same with life. Because when you're looking at life, if you take five losses in a row, you're not going to be getting into a position where you start off your next endeavor and it's going well for you. And then you self sabotage it. By thinking about, oh, great, I've lost the last five times. What am I going to do to lose this time? Mm-hmm. That's that's a situation where you're negatively impacting your life strictly based on the mindset that you're choosing to approach things with. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm asking is just think of it from the perspective of life, but also from sports fandom, because that's what we are trying to do trying to relate these feelings of, of how we feel about our favorite teams to life in in ways that make sense and can correlate, you know, the I'm not saying that, you know, Jake and I are the perfect role models for it, but we're trying to like help people learn lessons. Mm-hmm. We're trying to learn them ourselves. And like I said, what I mentioned before that Jake said he feels that he feels differently of how he had felt in the past because of the way that we've approached this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I've been pretty vocal on this too, but I really believe that we are the only sports show that is doing this. You know, there's, would, there's plenty of, have. there's plenty of, you know, personal development and self-help podcasts and books and tons of stuff like that. And I've taken in a lot of that stuff to try to relate it. But, as far as a sports analysis show like ours goes, I don't think anybody else is doing it how we are. I agree. So tell your friends if you like Wisconsin sports teams. And invite them and tell them to join the discussion. Yes. Also, Isaac, yes, I do. I think uh, he realizes that he's close to the end. Three-year deal, 10-11 a year. Call it a day. I think he's going to do two. two. I think he is already I, 35. So I think Brooke Lopez is going to be back on like a two for 30. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, he made what 13 last year. 
Yes. So he went a four for fifty-two. So yeah. So paying him for paying him fifteen million, I think he's completely happy with that. He likes the organization. Give him he a raise likes- for being a defensive player of the year candidate. Yep. Um, I absolutely think that he'll be back. I think Chris Middleton will be back, yep. unless unless something absolutely nuts happens. Which, like I said before, sports are crazy, man. Let's ride the wave, and yeah. not like a psychopath. Right. Don't don't let it hurt your mental health to do so. Please. Alrighty. Well, we'll see you next week, and we'll be back with some bonus content coming up later this month, yes, and sir. we will be at Mill Street Day. July 8th in Plymouth. So if you are in the Wisconsin area and you feel like coming to Plymouth on July 8th, Jake and I will have a tent set up at Mill Street Day, as will Wisco Ball and Mental Health America. So come see all of us at Mill Street Day on July 8th. And other than that, we're going to have some some more bonus shows coming up in July and some Packers shows in July and then a live show in August. And then it's it's football season. Hell yeah. (laughs) So we're getting close. But as Jake said today, dog days of summer start today, but we will be back next Wednesday. Yes, sir. Thanks, Isaac. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.